Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello, and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast, where we talk about the Doom Patrol in its many, many, many forms, and mostly comics, but, you know, soon TV and occasionally cartoons and all sorts of things. Wherever there's Doom Patrol, you will find us there, waiting to talk about it. It's a bit creepy. We're just there. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Creepy and true. Yes, hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. You can reach us at WaitingForDoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out my greatest adventure 80blogspotcom done by our fellow Doom Bro Doug Zavisha. And all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Podbean.com. Uh, I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, H-I-X. And you can also get in touch with our Sentient Show Twitter account, Wilfred, at WFD Pod. Hey, Wilfred. And we are also sponsored by Comicosity. Yes, an awesome comic site for all the news, reviews, previews of all the great stuff coming out in comics these days. They don't do movies. They don't do toys. They don't do the TV shows. It's just purely about the comic book love. So do they out. do board games? Uh, no. No, they no, do not. Okay. No. Right. Um, just comics and nothing but. Right. So if you like cool. comics, check out comicosity.com. <laughs> okay. I do like comics. You should check them out, Paul, if you haven't already. Uh, I will. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> anyway, how have you been since we last spoke, my friend? Oh, I've been reading many, 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 many comics Ooh. this week. Yeah, I, I caught up. Well, firstly, um, our friend uh, Jake Edwards in America, um, comic retailer from Time Tunnel Comics, he sent me a whole stack of digital codes. So, oh, so lucky. I got uh, pretty much every single Marvel digital code from last week. So nice. you know, a few number ones there. I checked out, uh, what did I check out? Shuri, and I checked out uh, Killmonger, and I checked out... Um, Ironheart, and they're really good. Yeah, cool. Some good stuff there. Um, the Black Order, which was all about the the bad guys uh, featured in Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Corvus Glaive and mm-hmm. Maximus Grumpiness, or whatever they are. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was pretty good. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Villains being villainous, as you might guess. Yeah, so that was lots of fun, and I've been catching up on me indie comics. So. Oh, yes. um, so, yeah, I've been reading The Lone Ranger from Dynamite Comics, which was oh, written wow. by Mark Russell from uh, the Flintstones and oh, the okay. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's got fantastic art by Bob Q and someone called Hassan Otsman Elhau oh. or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really loving it. I mean, uh, the third issue's just come out, and it's terrific. Like, um, really good story. Lots of um, you know, hardcore Lone Rangering. Like, the, you know, this isn't the the G-rated Lone Ranger. He's oh. you know whipping whipping out the Gatling gun and mowing down you oh, know, wow. scumbags and okay. stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's and the whole thing is predicated on um, chaos in the prairie when uh, uh, people suddenly work out that they can put barbed wire up and sort of divide the land and sort of oh. the, the free free range cattlemen get um, short shifted and shrifted and then there's uh, lots of violence ensues so right. fun yeah but um, a particularly good take on Tonto in this one so oh, cool. I, I highly recommend it so check it out yeah, what I, about you Mike I, I, I will agree Dynamite does do some cool interesting different stuff uh, I, I'm a big fan of like their Flash Gordon stuff uh, and um the oh god, what were they called? I can't even. Uh, the the King's Quest type stuff, which teamed up Flash oh, yeah. and and Mandrake and the Phantom. Um, yeah, I love the stuff they put out. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. Um, I too have been reading some new comics. Oh my Ooh. goodness! Yeah, um, uh, got caught up on a bit of Crowded by Chris oh, Sabella. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite enjoying that. Um, that's been good fun. Uh, Animosity uh, from Aftershock Comics, uh, the one about. Um, how animals are basically able to talk uh, and try and get rid of mankind. 
So that's a bit yeah. creepy. Uh, Detective Comics, Justice League, uh, The Terrifics, uh, that's still good fun. Um, Realise that um, I've missed about 30-something issues of Wonder Woman when um, I got the new one by G. Willow Wilson, oh, uh, yes. uh, which is kicking off a new story arc. And I thought, oh, I'll just go... Because that's issue 58. And I thought, oh, I'll just go and check what the last one was of those that I got, and the last one in my collection is issue 27, Ooh. so um, I've missed a little bit. <laughs> I've, I've been dipping in and out, and I don't think you've missed Got anything miss critical. Okay. So, so Steve Orlando had a run, James Robinson had a run, they were all fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and, and continuing on with my reread of my ElfQuest books, uh, I'm up to the third book now, where... Uh, they found uh, another tribe of, of elves who are aligned with um, giant birds. So really? they're like the flying elves now. So it's... Um, it, and it's starting to take a darker turn as well. And so that's been fun catching up on that. It was... Yeah, I've had some interesting comics to read of late as well. So... Um, oh, and I've finally picked up the physical copies of Scooby-Doo Team-Up and Doom Patrol 12. Um, and God, they were good fun, weren't they? They were just, yeah. that was just such a fun episode to have two actually enjoyable Doom Patrol comics in the one sitting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's move on. Have we got anything for News Patrol? Uh, a little bit. Cool. Okay, so it is very quiet. We are in the wasteland between the Titans show, which had the Doom Patrol in it, and the actual Doom Patrol show coming out Mm. in the future. So uh, I believe the Doom Patrol may show up again in the Titans show before the end. Uh Um, But, yeah, at the moment, um, filming of the Doom Patrol first season wraps in March. Right. March. Yeah, um, and we don't know much more than that. But I'm just going to take this opportunity to talk about other um, news from the world of DC TV and the fact that um, Iron Zeering has been cast as Blue Devil. (laughs) Yes! Um, That one blows my mind. (laughs) That's like, what the heck? (laughs) Like, I love the fact that Blue Devil is coming to TV. I I don't know if I'm sold on the casting, though. (laughs) Well, it's it's attention grabbing casting. Isn't this is it? true. This is true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, my wife is a massive nine hundred two one zero fan, so anything that ties into that, you know, will get a look from her. No oh what wow! It is. So, but I mean, this is the Swamp Thing show, and so it's, it sounds like a very different take on the Swamp Thing. Yeah. If you're going to have Blue Devil rocking around in it, um, yeah. But you know, bravo! Let's let's do things differently. It doesn't have to be like the old TV show or the movies. Nope. So, nope. Yeah, and we're also getting a Blue Beetle movie, which will, that'll be exciting. Yes. Down for that. And a Plastic Man movie's been announced. Yes. And yeah, so all sorts of stuff going on out there in the world of uh, yeah, DC TV. It, I'm hoping that these new announced films uh, will be slightly more fun and maybe a bit more colourful than previous outings. I- I think the chances are pretty good considering, you know, all the very positive early buzz on Aquaman and mm. the fact that, you know, Aquaman is really embracing uh, the potential to be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think people have woken up to the fact that, um, yeah, everyone like the Dark Knight doesn't mean every character needs to be, you know, in that sort of um, genre of film or, yeah. you know, style or mood, you know. Um, desperation is not a good look for Plastic Man, you know. <laughs> No, not at all. And it's nice to see all the beautiful, colourful landscapes underwater in the Aquaman yeah. trailer. So it looks gorgeous so far. Yeah. So yeah, can't wait to see it myself. Mm, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Mm. But that's about all I've got. But is that the sound of ticking that I hear out there? Heck yes, it is, Paul. You know what that means? No. <laughs> oh, you must be new here. <laughs> it's time for the Doom Clock. <laughs> Oh, 
Okay, so as we look upon the face of the Mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been just over three weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue 12 of volume 6, from Jared Way, Jeremy Lambert, Dan McDay, Tamara Bonvilla, Nick Darrington, Todd Klein, Molly Mahan, and Mark Doyle. That issue saw the Reynolds family fighting to free the Daemonscape from Margoth the Daemon Lord. Uh, and we discussed this issue back in episode 131. Uh, issue 13 is at this stage scheduled for... Anyone? Anyone? No. no. Bueller? Bueller? No. 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 We got no, nothing. It's just, it's just a blank bit of writing in invisible ink. <laughs> well, that's not very handy. <laughs> not, not at all, no. Um, I am still slightly worried that uh, they're going to reboot it and have it more aligned to the TV show rather than continue on with Volume 6 as we know Let, it. Why does that not worry you, Mike? Uh, just that they they might lose some of the weird, wonderful stuff we've seen in Volume 6. Like, they might sideline Casey Brink. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I... I'm in two minds about it because, I mean, the way uh, Volume 6 came out was an absolute disaster. I mean, you know, (laughs) we got 12 issues in, what, two and a half years or something, you know, really, you know, despicable like that. And, you know, I just saw the Umbrella Academy trailer the other day and it's just going, well, you know, that's why we haven't got a Doom Patrol coming out regularly Mm -hmm. because Gerard's been busy. Um, And it's, I would honestly welcome any other take on the series right now, Um, partly because... You know, we've had the weirdness of six, um, and if Jeremy Lambert is going to sort of try and continue that, is that like a cover band of a cover band that we've already had? I mean, are we are we just going too much down the one the one path with the Doom Patrol? Yeah. You know, could it be time to just do a you know a straight you know adventurous reboot or something? Yeah, you know, and. I, I would welcome it, to be honest. I mm-hmm. would welcome a, a different take on the Doom Patrol right now, something more um, traditional, more fun, more um, more regular. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the regular part would be nice. It's nice to be regular. It would almost be like Volume 2, but in reverse. How yeah. we started with the you know fairly standard heroic stuff and then went into the Morrison weirdness, whereas in Volume 6... We could potentially go from the Gerard Way weirdness into straight superheroics, but you know there are some things I would not want to lose. You know, like Casey, you know, and Danny Land, and I don't know. It's all speculation until we, you know, get something. You know, the silence is annoying. Anyway, Paul, are, are you ready to try and guess what comic came out this week in Doom Patrol history? Oh, I'm feeling a bit rusty today, but let's try. <laughs> All right. Um, how am I going to do this? Okay. With words. With words. With words. <laughs> um, okay. Robot man in a trio, but not a trio you're used to. Uh, is this the volume one? One where he has different robot bodies? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, is it, is it um, Madame Rouge as a good guy. Oh. Um, okay. Well, that sounds like the end of volume one, or, you know, in the, in the one one mm. tens or something. The one tens, one it, around there? It's nothing to do with volume one. I was so close. Um, <laughs> is it a comic? <laughs> it is indeed a comic. Look, I'll put you out of your misery. Going on sale for three ninety nine on December 14th of 2011, with a cover date of February 2012, was issue three of the My Greatest Adventure six-issue limited series. Oh, well, I haven't read that. Oh, haven't you? No. Well, we'll have to get to that next year for sure. But yes, it it was uh, a six-issue miniseries uh, that uh, had three different stories, one focusing on Cliff Steel Robot Man, one focusing on a metahuman called Garbage Man, um, who was composed of garbage, and an alien woman named Tanga. Um, 
Yeah, and it was a little bit different. Uh, the story was written by Matt Kint. Scott Collins was on art. Jared K. Fletcher did the letters. Michael Attia uh, did the colours. And Joey Cavalieri was the editor. And this was the third chapter of Robot Man's story in which he was investigating a technovirus infecting the wildlife on a, on a volcanic island. Hmm. And, and this chapter ends with a very Kirby-esque monster, which looks awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I got this in single issues, um, mainly for the Robot Man story, obviously. The Garbage Man story was kind of interesting, because it had Batman in it. The Tanga story, I can't recall anything about it at all. Other than that, she could fly and shoot laser beams from her eyes and fought monsters or something. <laughs> it, was, it was really weird. I remember she was buxom. Uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, in a skin-tight outfit. That left little to the imagination. Yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting comic there. And yes, uh, we have not yet covered this story, uh, but we will get to it next year, for sure. And that's it for the Doom Clock this week. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on a mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it, and now we're going to do it too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, we'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. <laughs> it's still going to take forever. But no, we're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. Every week, Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock and the Infinity Watch TV show, make, make ours Marvel. And now it's the part of the show where we, well, we talk about the Doom Patrol and we do it under the banner of Doom Splaining, things about the Doom Patrol. So, and we're here. And today we're looking at uh, two issues that, uh, well, I, I won't sugarcoat it. They end the John Byrne run and we're pretty excited about that. So this is <laughs> volume four of the Doom Patrol, issues 17 and 18. And once we're done, we're out. We're free and clear. <laughs> the day has finally come where we get to the end of uh, volume four of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, Paul. Yeah, it has been. Mm. So, um, do you want to take us through the first one, Mike? I'd love to, Paul. Uh, I'd love to kick us off on this final adventure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Doom Patrol, volume four, issue 17, cover dated December 2005, but went on sale October 26 of that year for a mere $2.50. Uh, apparently edited by Mike Carlin. John Byrne on the writing and penciling. Doug Hazelwood did the inks. Jared K. Fletcher did the letters. And Alex Blayart did the colours. Uh, and the cover has uh, the headline, Negative Fallout. And it shows a gigantic Elastigirl fighting a gigantic negative being as Robot Man and Larry sort of stand in the foreground looking on in shock as a city is tumbling around them and people are running for their lives. It looks very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Contain your excitement, Paul. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, previously in this volume of the Doom Patrol, which we covered in episode 130 from October of 2018, things were going to a flashback-riddled hell in a poorly made handbasket, as Me Sun, aka Nudge, turned evil after the psyches of five evil teens took control of her body and attacked the rest of the patrol. 
Meanwhile, more clues about the background of team member Vortex were revealed as more Texas arrived and implied that the negative being was also one of them. Or something. And we saw the return of Grunt, the four-armed gorilla who sensed Misun was in trouble due to their psychic link, and arrived just in time to save the chief from a drowning death in the waters of Key Mon- Mordaz. Got that? Yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. All very convenient. Anyway, Convergence Part 2. This issue opens with a naked Misun laying in what looks like a vast crystal cavern. She comes to and eventually discovers a corkscrewed tunnel, apparently her, her her only way out of there. However, as she starts to make her escape, the crystal shards start somehow attacking her, and the tunnel itself begins to spin. Weird. What are you eating? No, I'm opening a, a comic bag to pull out the comic, so I can't right. that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> as you were. <laughs> thought you were still eating your, your pizza shapes. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Anyway, back in the real world, a gigantic negative being stands over the smoking ruins of DPHQ in Key Mordaz. Niles called to the chief and the four-armed gorilla grunt are still in their convenient doom jet watching the giant come towards them. And of course, Niles states the obvious that the being's intentions are not directed to their best intentions when it suddenly grabs a jet and starts crushing it. Meanwhile, 1,327 miles east of this, Misun's mother and brother are on yet another convenient doomjet, heading to DPHQ, after receiving a message about Misun last issue. Because we haven't had a flashback yet, Misun's brother retells his version of events in terms of her burgeoning powers, which we initially also saw in flashback format in issue 10 of this volume, which we covered in episode 124 from June of 2018. Anyway, back in the rubble of DPHQ, Rita Farr, a.k.a. Elastigirl, comes to, frees herself from the rubble, and begins to round up the rest of the team. All they can find of Robot Man is his head, Larry Trainer's bandages are in tatters, and Misun is knocked out cold. They also come across the suits that Vortex and his fellow Mortexes were wearing, these suits now being discarded on the ground. When Rita suddenly remembers that the Chief was thrown out of a window last issue, she embiggens herself to search for him, while Larry helps Cliff's head reconnect with his body. Rita returns without having found any trace of the Chief, but has found a crumpled up jet, which Larry recognises the call sign of it being one of their jets from a West Coast facility. He says this right before he faints. Between Rita catching him with a giant hand and him coming to, the patrol have now relocated to yet another convenient doom jet. Larry assumes uh, his feeling odd is due to no longer having the negative being within him, and because it's been a few pages since the last flashback, he begins to explain what really happened during the test flight of the Sunrunner spacecraft which we also saw in flashback format in issue 2 of this volume, which we covered in episode 109 from October of 2017. Oh my god, it's been over a year? (laughs) I know. (sighs) So the short version of this is that the ship went into hyperdrive, he blacked out, woke up with his ship in some weird energy field, the ship then went through a glowing wall, he blacked out again, then woke up again as the Sunrunner was about to crash land before the negative being saved the day. Clears so much up. Back in the present, <laughs> the patrol have arrived at in Generic City on the trail of the giant Negman, who is draining the energy out of everything within 10 miles in order to power itself at this giant size. Of course, a news helicopter has gotten too close in their pursuit of a story, and with the crew out cold, Rita jumps from the doom jet, embiggening herself in time to save the chopper. Unfortunately, this also draws the attention of Negman, who begins fighting with her, and by draining her life force, she is soon defeated and crashes to the ground, looking very emaciated. Back at DPHQ, Misun's mother and brother have finally arrived and enter into the base. Confused by their new surroundings of high-tech in an old prison, they're soon shocked to come across one of the Mortexes with one hand around the throat of Metamorpho and the other hand holding Misun up high. When asked what he's done to them, he replies, Does it matter? If they're dead, it merely means they've preceded the rest of the human race by a matter of a few fleeting minutes. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, um, what did you think of issue seventeen, Paul? Um, it, it it's 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 ponderous and it's um, <laughs> uninteresting. Um, 
uh, I just find this whole plot is just so boring. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, and and there's multiple layers of boring. Like everything to do with Mi-sun is boring. Yes, she is a boring character. She's not interesting. She, you know, she's not likable. Um, her brother isn't likable. Her mum is is boring. Bringing them into it, I mean, you know, maybe someone enjoys them being in a comic, but it ain't me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and John Byrne continues his um, habit of having villains without names. Like mm-hmm. we've got, you call them Mortexes. That's a good way to describe them because we don't know. You know, there's a, a lead one, and we don't know his name. Yeah, we don't know what he wants. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just he's just generic evil, just because. Yeah. Um, I will say one nice thing. There's a the page where Rita pulls herself out from the rubble, mm. and she's all you know beaten up and disheveled. I mean her her top is falling off slightly, but things like that. But she just looks really pissed, and it's a really good um, sort of tribute to Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. Oh yeah, true. You know, just the fact that she looks you know disheveled and cranky and mm. giant. You know, I like that. Yeah. Um, but every you know as soon as she's back in a uniform, it just looks terrible. And Larry, you know look like he's you know a teen heartthrob i don't know (laughs) (laughs) know, he's everything and everyone like me son in her dream is covered in little it looks like someone's been attacked by a texter (laughs) yeah i'm assuming it's meant to be the scratches of all the crystal cave walls um that's not how getting scratched works yeah it doesn't just cover you with little lines you know you actually bleed Yeah, look, uh, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't. I, look, don't get me wrong. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, it's, it's a dull plot. Um, the majority of the characters are just uninteresting. Seeing Misan in the nude, you know, covered in texture slash scratch marks, um, a bit creepy. Doesn't bit. need to be. I mean, she it's she's in a dreamscape. She could be wearing anything. She could yeah. be dressed as you know, she could be dressed as a sailor. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why why she has to be naked. It's that someone wants to draw her naked. Uh, yes, John, John Byrne. John yeah. Byrne. Mm, yeah. yeah. And the final page where the Mortex has got a you know lifting her up midair, you know, and she's you know, I, I, I'm not a prude by any means, but like seeing her, you know, with her shirt sort of lift it up and, you know, you can see her underwear and that's like, you know, is it really necessary? And don't, yeah, don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm no prude by any means, but it was just like, come on, she's a kid, you know, do we really need to see that sort of thing, even though this yeah. comic came out, you know, 13 years ago? No, 14 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just, and uh, I don't know, it, as we'll see in the next issue, there's a little bit more creep factor with the, um, Rita and Cliff relationship as well. No, I don't spoil it. No, sorry. I mean, with, yeah, I I could not possibly do more harm than has already been done to those yeah. two. But yeah, it's just uh, I just don't care about any of them in this issue. There's and they just seem to be farting jets out of anywhere. How many jets do they bloody well have? It's just ridiculous. It's. It's yeah, I, it's just not enjoyable, and it's dull, and it's kind of heartbreaking to say that about my favourite superhero team. Mm. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, Paul, take us home with the grand finale of this. Okay, volume. you can do it. Uh, it's got it all. It's got flashbacks. <laughs> oh, thank goodness, because you know, <laughs> and that's the other thing that annoyed me about everything. We had flashbacks to flashbacks. Yeah. And it wasn't even anything new. It was just... Uh... Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? All right. Uh, no. <laughs> so the cover. The cover shows... Um, well, there's a special on drawing rubble this week because everyone's drawing rubble. So uh, Robot Man is falling apart and his robot limbs are sort of shredding like uh, like he looks like he's a bandaged dude. So mm. And Larry's got bandages on and Rita's unconscious next to them and Cliff is just lifting up a... A mountain of debris, yeah. uh, which has the logo on it and says the end of the Doom Patrol. And then the words, thank God. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But this one, it is, uh, what, Doom Patrol 18 came out, cover dated January 2006, but it was actually released November 30th, 2005, cover price of 2 bucks fifty. edited by Mike Carlin, who didn't do anything, I'm betting, uh, and it's called Convergence Conclusion, uh, and it's written and penciled by John Byrne, uh, inked by Doug Hazelwood, lettered by Jared K. Fletcher, and coloured by Alex Blayart. So fairly consistent on the creative teams on this. Hmm. Mm. Well, good. Okay, whatever. Um, so let's see what's inside. As Key Mordaz smoulders from the recent hijinks, the water nearby sm- spits out a metallic egg that hatches the silhouette of a four-armed gorilla. Who is this four, uh, mysterious four-armed gorilla? Uh, the shadowy ape with four arms. Who could it be? I've, I've got no idea. Anyway. Inside, in a flashback, the alien energy dude fills out the vacant vortex suit and then manually adjusts the faceplate to look super smug and punchable. And because I can't remember his name, I don't think John Byrne ever gave us his name, uh, I'm going to call him Punchy from now on. So Punchy checks in on Nudge, who lies comatose in the lab. Inside her mind, she falls naked, covered in scratches. Or maybe it's text marks, uh, because no blood. And uh, she lands in an alley and finds herself confronted by her drug-taking school chums who get all creepy and start trying to assault her. Um, When she's... uh, This guy is suddenly stretched tall and extracted into the real world by the alien. Uh, Meanwhile, in nearby downtown generic town, Larry and Cliff find Rita's uh, body lying in the rubble or desiccated or crappy looking. Uh, They determine that she's still breathing and she gradually turns regular size. Suddenly, uh, an avalanche of twisted metal falls towards them, but Cliff grabs a nearby car and shields her and Larry. Um, and the danger was caused by the giant energy being skeleton thing that wandered past. Um, meanwhile, Punchy has now extracted the five people who were living inside Nudge, and he destroys them with a gesture, which is a really convenient way to wrap up that subplot. Um, <laughs> convenient is one word starting with C that I used. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, Metamorpho pops out of the corridor and starts uh, trying to punch Punchy, by, um, and he, then he forms a cage around him, but Punchy manipulates time to ensure that he was never imprisoned, uh, which he explains in great detail to Rex uh, Metamorpho. Mm. Um, back in the city, uh, Cliff pushes the wreckage off Rita and Larry, and Larry tells Cliff that she is almost gone, but Cliff tells Larry how his robot body actually stores life energy from his brain, and he can use that life energy to save Rita through some bullshit life energy donation thing that he's got. Um, <laughs> Yeah, handy. Yeah. Never mentioned that before. Um, as as convenient as Doom Jets, that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Robot body stores life energy and then is able to donate it. Mm. 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 Yeah. Okay. Do you need to check life energy type and see if you're compatible? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, he collapses next to her as her body rejuvenates, becoming less wrinkly and younger looking. Uh, she wakes up as Cliff passes out. Um, inside, Rex continues to fight, but Punchy warps time so that he's actually hitting himself. And uh, then he starts being handsy and creepy with Misun when her mother and brother walk in. Awkward. Um, Punchy stops. Punchy stops to do some Korean chatting with the family, announcing that he could detect similar powers in her brother. All this talking allows Nudge to wake up and use her powers, uh, her all-purpose whatever powers, to pin Punchy <laughs> to the wall. Uh, apparently, without the five uh, drug buddies in her head, um, her powers are even more hard to quantify and powerful. Um, right. Punchy retaliates. Yeah, yeah. Punchy retaliates by turning Misun into a monkey um, for some reason. <laughs> uh, what the what? I don't know. Um, as her mother flees, she runs right into Grant. Oh, it was Grant who came out of the water before. Oh, wow. that's who the mystery forearm gorilla was. Oh, that's who it was. Oh, I my goodness. see that coming. What a oh. fantastic twist. I thought he died. Um, and then the chief appears uh, dressed as gunfire for some reason with um, a giant deus ex machina gun that uh, takes Punchy out of the fight. Uh, and this reverts Misun to human form. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. Chief quickly explained some garbage about creating the weapon weeks ago because he knew that the comic would be cancelled soon and he might need to wrap things up in a hurry. Uh, no, he doesn't actually say that, but that's why. Um, a few minutes later, they are all flying over the city and Nudge blasts the giant negative skeleton, splitting it down into its source aliens, the Mortexes, including Vortex, 
And as Vortex gets dressed in his containment seat, suit, Rita appears carrying Cliff, who she announces is dead. <gasps> Nine hours later, Cliff is better. Because he wasn't actually dead. <laughs> right. Oh, what a <laughs> twist. <laughs> that, that was a rough page turn. It was. Uh, <laughs> Um, he trots out a new familiar looking body and he pashes Rita and Vortex prepares to leave for space or something with his alien bros Nudge asks him to stay in touch and he takes her as an invitation to pash her Uh, next in the parade of things being wrapped up Larry is donning new bandages and explaining how he still has the negative energy form but now it doesn't look like a skeleton anymore he and the negative energy pash no they don't (laughs) it would be the perfect moment though Wow, that I, just when I think a comic could not have made me any angrier, that would have done it. <laughs> uh, Chief explains that uh, Larry seems to have a, doesn't have this uh, the unlimited time separation between man and negative energy now. He seems to have a sixty second one, which sounds oh. like a bit of a status quo reset. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Misan thinks the time is right to confront Cliff about the subplot about the robot painkiller addiction. And he takes a zapper from her and explains how he never used it and that pashing Rita can help him forget his phantom body pains. Yeah. Right. I don't know. If you ask an addict if they're on drugs, they tend to say no. But anyway, that's just me. Um, back in her room, Mi-san, dressed casually, is chatting to her Confederate ghost soldier boyfriend. Uh, Grunt knocks on the door to tell her it's almost time for the closing splash page. Uh, she tells him that she has a decision to make her. She holds up a conservative version of her Doom Patrol team uniform. In the hangar bay, Niles is saying goodbye to Rex. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Misan's brother asks Niles how he can manage his powers. Niles tells him they can run some tests and blah, 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 blah. He tells Niles <laughs> it won't be so bad as long as he doesn't have to wear a dorky costume. Speaking of dorky costumes, Misan walks in wearing hers and they all chat about her feeling like she belongs and blah, 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 blah. Yawn. And they all pose for the final splash page. The end. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Um, I'd like to thank my wife. I'd like to thank you, Mike. Um, I'd like to thank the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I, I, I do have to say, I, I do like Burns' art um, throughout the majority of this volume. Um that the art is is fine and there's some good stuff. It's the writing that is the massive letdown in yeah. in this volume and in, in these two issues. Um, I, I do think there were. Remember how we've been asking for a while? Who are the devolutionaries? Yeah. I think there's a slight subtle reference to the fact that the Mortexes may have actually been them. Oh really? I missed Be- that because when. Um, Misan gets turned into the monkey and Deus Ex Niles turns up looking like gunfire uh, and, you know, he blasts the Mortex with it and Misan reverts back to normal and she says, oh, what happened? And Niles' response is, a chronomorphic manipulation of your genetic structure, Misan. Just what this entity did when we encountered him a few weeks ago. Something. Oh. Ah, I wonder oh, if okay. Niles, in all his infinite wisdom and spare time, somehow figured out what the devolutionary's um, contraptions was and rebuilt it and just kept it handy just in case. Okay. So I think, and you know, if I was really curious, I would get up from my chair and go and look for those issues, but I'm not going to because no. I just, just can't yeah. be bothered. Just... And Niles isn't dead. I mean, Niles got flung through the, the window out into the ocean. Mm. And then he rocks well, back in wearing these funky goggles and carrying a big gun. So yeah, well, well, Grunt saved him. And, and then, yeah, last we saw, the giant negative being was crushing their jet. But, yeah, somehow they survived. Uh, I don't know. Mm. It's all very... Yeah, it's all very quick. Let's wrap everything up as vaguely and as quickly as possible. And... Um, Let's remind everyone that Rita and Cliff were apparently an item at one point. Yeah, and Cliff gets a new body at the end, which is much more like his traditional 1960s body. Yep. Yep. And and, Um, uh, the negative 
energy um, has a time limit on it now, just like the original. It's almost like for all the changes he tried to put in, Byrne went, you know what, maybe the original stuff worked, and I should have stuck with that. You should have. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tack it on at the very end. Like, yeah. Ah, uh, <sighs> uh, mm, okay. Well, I, for one, am glad that we've reached the end because yeah, yeah. This was um, it was a lot of bad choices. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, none of them enriched the Doom Patrol. I mean, none of them added anything to the mythos that it was worth adding. Um, yeah, it, it's. I- I look, Peculiar. I, I, I will slightly disagree with you there in that Nudge and Grunt have a fantastic cameo at the start of Volume 5. Oh, they do, yes. That I won't spoil here. I'll wait till we get to it. But the way the, that they are treated, I think, is fairly fitting. Their triumphant return. <laughs> yes. Their triumphant return uh, in Volume 5 is, um, is great. And... Mm. But yeah, other than that, it, yeah, it adds nothing to the mythos. Um, right. It's and, and and yeah, it's just a bunch of that. You know how you were saying before how you were hoping from like a potential return to standard superheroics instead of all the weirdness for the patrol. This is like standard superheroics, but boring. Yeah, and just yeah. and just doesn't go anywhere. Um, and is more of a head-scratcher, but not in a way that makes you want to research more into it or dive deeper. Whereas, like, with someone like Rachel Pollack with, like, this uh, Tiresias Wars, I was, like, researching stuff for that because it was really interesting, mm. uh, and I wanted to learn more. This, I'm just like, you know what? We've read it. We've made it through. Um, we've kept our sanity somehow. <laughs> so yeah. it's just... Yeah. It's... um. Yeah, I, I, I will concur that it does feel good to have made it through and gotten to the end of this volume. Hooray. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, well done. Thank you. Thank you, John Byrne. Thank you for the 18 issues of Doom Patrol. That was good. Nine episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think... Um, no, I, I do like your comment about a lot of bad choices. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you doomed explained out? I am, I am. All right. Yes. All right. And now it's time for the mailbag of doom, where we read your feedback to a question of the week. The last one being, what was your greatest feat of comic binge reading? And first off, we heard from Bob Garonellis, who said, I'm bad at binge reading. Even with a trade, I like to switch books after each chapter. That said, I think I've read The Sandman by Neil Gaiman all the way through on vacation a few times. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a good read. Uh, we heard some Doug Zavisha at D Zavisha, and he said, Watchmen in a pair of box office shifts. And uh, shout out for Doug, he just gave away a kidney. So, yes. What an well awesome, done. well done. Man, that's an awesome gift of generosity. You yeah. rock, Doug. You rock. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, we then heard from Steve Lacey uh, from the Fantastic Cast, who said he read all of DC One Million as featured in the Omnibus in one day, when I should have been working from home a couple of Christmases ago. Wow, Oops. that's that's dedication. Well, that's probably more important than work, I would say. True. Yeah. 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 Uh, we heard from Zoom Yukonori, and he said, I read Crisis on Infinite Earths 1 through 12 in a single sitting, one event, uneventful weekend in 1987. And that was when I'd first noted major holes in the overall plot that I did not notice reading it month to month. Oh. 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 87, it came out in 85, 86, so that's one year later. Yeah, okay. Good on you, Zoom. Yeah. Uh, Martin Gray, at Mark Gray, said, He read all of Preacher in a month. It's an amazing feat of consistent quality comics making. I concur, sir. That's a brilliant comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well done on getting it all through it in a month. Jeez. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard from Relatively Geeky, which is our bud, Professor Allen, and he said, more than 30 years ago, I sat down and read Thriller 1-12, to and to this day, I've never gotten over the confusion. Right. I've not read. 
Not read those thriller comics? Nor have I. No. No. Hmm. Okay. I'm sorry that it left you confused. Hmm. We then heard from Sean Ross from the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, and he said, I once read all of Genesis, all four burn damned <laughs> issues for a podcast. Wow. <laughs> what sort of stupid podcast would make you do that? <laughs> Thank you, and apologies, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we heard from Ryan Daly at Ryan Daly01, and Ryan said, With Marvel Unlimited, that is almost impossible to answer accurately, but for the sake of participation, I read the whole Thor by Walt Simonson, Omnibus, in five days. Whoa. That's, that's a good run. Yeah. Thor run. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well done, Brian. Brian. Go, you good thing. <laughs> Jay Powers at Bay Bear 24 uh, said, That's a hard question, but I did read all three volumes of Batman Nightfall in one go. Oh. Ooh, mm. that's hefty. If, particularly if it's new volumes where they include everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we heard from Charles Potomac of the Last Hometown podcast, and he said, My largest, I won't say greatest, binge read was just this past holiday weekend when I read all of Marvel's Civil War 2 and Secret Empire comics and tie-ins, as well as Weapons of Mass Destruction, Weapon H, uh, T.A. Hulk, and X-Men Red. What's T.A. Hulk? The Amazing Hulk. The Absolute Hulk. The Astonishing Mm. Hulk. Yeah. Anyway, X-Men Red. That's a good series. Tom Taylor. Tits and Arse Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Okay, that must be a a different volume of She-Hulk I've not read. Sorry, it's gone very blue in here all of a sudden. Uh, Moby One, at Shmoby One, said uh, he had a highly enjoyable binge read of the entire Robinson Starman run a few years back, thanks to a certain koala-punching Waiting for Doom podcast host, and will always be grateful for that. Who could that be? Is it that same forearm gorilla? (laughs) <laughs> no. It is a mystery forearm gorilla. <laughs> uh, we heard from Steve Edwards, and he said the entire Invincible series in two and a half days after work. Whoa! Whoa. And that's what 160 comics or something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, holy jeez! Wow. God, keen. Uh, Jonathan at Changing Shades said the best binge he had was after the comic officially shifted to the sun. I read all of DP alumni Eric Larson's Savage Dragon in a month. It's such a fun and violent book, but it's kind of amazing how it's all one guy's vision and all one arc in a way. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Sean, Sergey Bomber on Twitter said, I had foot surgery 15 plus years ago and was off my feet for several days and I read all 60 issues of Quasar. I love that book and character, but a lot of tough stuff in there. Moved to been watching TV till I was mobile again. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Dedication. We then heard from Antonio P. Cuneo on the Twitters. Uh, and Antonio said, This year alone I read all of Bendis' Avengers run, including a lot of stuff that he didn't write. Also Hickman's Fantastic Four and Avengers run, and every issue of The Walking Dead and Ex Machina, plus a bunch of rereads and general comic reading and books. Nice. Wow, that is bunch. Mm, well done. Yeah. Good stuff there, yeah. Uh, we have from Brad Dade, and he said, In less than a year, I read damn near every Legion of Superheroes issue and related books from the Great Darkness Saga up to and including the New 52. Ooh, Ooh. starting with the great stuff and ending with the, the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask what you thought of that, but um, you've answered mm. that already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we then heard from the RAD Adventures Podcast Network, and I believe this was Darren who wrote this actual tweet, because uh, they said, I reread over 2,500 pages of Usagi Yojimbo by Stan Sakai during a recent 36-day business trip. It was perfect to read it with comicsology on my tablet. And we know that Darren went on a trip around the world for work recently. Yeah, so. did he? Oh, didn't he just? Oh. But yeah, no, that's, that That would be an awesome read on that yeah. trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jason Jones, Jay Jones from Silver and Gold Podcast. He said, Greatest Feat was reading all of Watchmen in one sitting, even the extra bonus stuff in the back. That was a glorious day. Wow. Ooh. All in one day. Keen as mustard. 
Mm. Uh, Dean Jones chimed in with uh, them reading Nightfall in one sitting. Wow. And we have from Baruch Nahon, and he said, All the Starman Jack Knight by James Robinson run. And with no rush at all, 18 hours, I've done it several times, and every time I end with a heavy sense of sadness because, because JSA run apart, there's nothing like that these days. Oh, it is a good run. It's awesome. Mm. Okay. Uh, we then heard from Andrew Watton Davies, and Andrew said, I read all the way through Cerebus the Aardvark, all of it. Even the bits near the end that were just weird philosophy and theology lectures spiced up with a bit of misogyny. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Uh, I, I will admit I have the first Cerebus book, uh, and yeah, that was enough for me, I think. Oh, I've, n- I've never read Cerebus. The closest I've got is the Spawn issue where he appeared. Ah, he's <laughs> on the, I love the cover. Gah, colour! On the cover. <laughs> yes. It's pretty good. Uh, we got an email from Ange, and this is where he gave us his answer. But um, Ange recently picked up all the Arcudi issues, so yes, nice. and, and reading along. He said, "Great recap of these Arcudi issues. Uh, the Doom Patrol TV episode issue was interesting. The art was a big step down, but the story was intriguing. The fact checker cared about these characters, had come to consider them friends, and didn't like he was what he was seeing being done to them." How many of us have diehard fans of a property haven't felt that way when faced with some bold new direction we didn't care for? Heck, in about 10 years, I think I'll have felt that way three times about Supergirl. Was this uh, Arcudi speaking out against fans who didn't like these new team and approach? There weren't many letter columns in this volume to gauge support. Was this Akuti saying that he understood those fans, but hoping to point out how malleable the property is, capable of being reimagined and successful? Or was this, as you surmise, just filler? And like you, I am still reeling from the fact that I live in a world where Supergirl has gone mainstream. I didn't dream of that when I started my site. Anyways, I did have a good luck. I did have the good luck of finding this entire run in the dollar box and grabbing them all quite recently. And in odd coincidence of your question of the week, I did binge read the last 16 issues over three days on this US Thanksgiving holiday. Whoa. I am glad I did buy this run. This isn't my Doom Patrol, but it is a good read and did tangentially hit Doom Patrol history nicely in places. To officially answer the question of the week, this isn't my biggest binge. In medical school, my roommate purchased all 38 issues of Marvel's printing of Akira for a song, $40 from a store going out of business, and clearly starved for liquid assets. I think I sat down and binge-read them over four days during a week's break. Simpler times, my friends. I look forward to your show wrapping up this run and hope you give some sort of epilogue or eulogy for its entirety. Wondering, wondering what your big thoughts about it are. Ange. Thanks, Ange. Thanks, Ange. Yeah. We will. We will give a, a big send-off to this run. Yeah. yeah. Just like we did... One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like this episode. Yeah. 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 Uh, we also got uh, another email from Scott Arthur all about Rick Geary. Uh, Scott begins, Hello, Doomsplainers. I'm probably getting back to you too late on this to make it in before the next episode, but I found it odd that you didn't recognise Rick Geary. It's true that he almost never works in the superhero genre or even action drama generally. The only other exceptions that I can think of are the two-issue adaption of the uh, movie Solo and a distant spin-off of the Alien franchise called Cyber Antics. Uh, apparently, we do know of his work, uh, as it's used been used for the last 20 years as the simple image of an eye in a rectangle for the San Diego Comic-Con. It's like, oh, ah. okay, he did that. Uh, and they've also had an actual mos- mascot, uh, a toucan, drawn in much more detail, and that was his work as well. Um, so, yeah, and there's uh, stuff on his website where he talks about... Um, that work and how he, he's also been known for doing quirky half-page strips for the National Lampoon magazine and others that were eventually called Excursions and these were collected by both Fantagraphics and Dark Horse. So, okay, he's, yeah, like lots of info there that we didn't actually previously know. So, because, mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was all, well, he was new to me. Um, so, so for most of the late 80s and mid-90s, 
Uh, Rick Geary did uh, spot illustrations for the Dark Horse anthologies Cheval Noir and Dark Horse Presents, which Jeff Darrow took over in the colour revival of DHP uh, from 2011 to 17. Uh, and Rick's most recent comic book work that Scott can remember uh, was from uh, a collaboration with Bob Burden on a new sort, short-lived Gumby series. Oh. Mm. Gumby. Okay. Yeah, wow. that's, I didn't even know there'd been Gumby comics. Um, anyway, Scott then goes on to answer the question of the week for this episode about his longest binge read, uh, which he says for, for him couldn't have been more than 20 issues in one day, probably fewer. For the longest multi-day continuous read of one title, I think it may have been Doom Patrol's second volume. About 15 years ago, for Vertigo's 10th anniversary, I decided to read all of the titles to lead into the imprint. I already had four of them completely and assumed that by the time I finished reading those that I would have completed the other two. Swamp Thing, which turned out to be more issues than he could afford, and Hellblazer, which was still ongoing. Shade and Animal Man were relatively easy. Sandman required gathering several anthologies for the stray short stories, but Doom Patrol had spent the most time as a mainstream superhero book, and in addition to reading the 87 issues, two annuals, and Doom Force special, I also read the Secret Origins annual by Byrne, the Phantom Strange and Power Girl miniseries, the Suicide Squad specials, Superman number 20, Invasion, Justice League's Breakdowns, Vertigo Jam, and the Children's Crusade crossover. Oh, you poor man. Uh, it took over a month of my free time, during which I tried to squeeze in as much of the post-crisis version of New Teen Titans for the Gar and Mento appearances as I could. Since then, I've tried to jump around a lot more. See Whoa. you, Scott. Holy gee, Scott. That's dedication. That's, yeah. That's, and all, wow. the, all the Kupperberg tie-in stuff. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Golly. What about you, Mike? Have you binged? Do you um, binge? I, I don't normally binge because I... I had My to think. doesn't support that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the last time I could recall doing anything close to uh, a, a dedicated binge read was on a flight. I think it was either it was either going to or coming back home uh, from a trip to the states many or oh, a few years ago now, and I had the th- first three trade paperbacks for the um, Terry Moore comic Rachel Rising. Um, ah. because I'd read a couple of issues digitally and I was like, I was really enjoying it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get the the trades if I can find it. I can't remember if I bought them here to take and read on the trip or if I bought them over there and then read them on the way back. I knew I read them on a plane. <laughs> I know that much. But yeah, I, I, I read... So if I, knowing me back in those days, I would have been uh, either heading to Hawaii or coming home from Hawaii. So... It's like a nine-hour flight, um, and I read all three volumes by the time I got home. So, yeah, that that would be my effort there in terms of binge reading. So, oh. yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's that that would be it for me. Yeah, the the, the first three trades of Rachel Rising, um, just because I love Terry Moore's artwork and it's a really weird, interesting story, and it was uh, a great read. What about yourself? Well, uh, I used to be, it's probably early 90s, I was a videotape operator, I did night shifts, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the work you're doing was literally, you know, putting, you know, loading a whole bank of videotapes, you know, VHSs these were back in the day, Um, you know, like 200, hitting record on them for three hours, (laughs) and then you could just had nothing to do while they ran it, except monitor it and see if it was running all the time, and uh, I worked with a lot of people who used to get stoned and fall asleep, Um, so (laughs) I didn't do that, I I started bringing in (laughs) short boxes from home, Wow! I think I did lots of rereading, like I I probably read all the Superman stuff from the John Byrne reboot um, up to the present day in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, I I definitely read all of The Suicide Squad by uh, John Ostrander in one night, um, probably. And, yeah, whatever I had, I I think I did all of Sandman and stuff like that. So whatever was going, I would just reroute it all. Um, Wow. Yeah, that was back in the day when I was young and could stay awake, which I cannot do anymore. <laughs> back in the day when they had videotapes. <laughs> videotapes, yeah. Yeah. Ask uh, your parents, kids. <laughs> yeah. I was looking forward to the next emails. What's the videotape, guys? <laughs> 
Wow, no, that's that's that sounds like the perfect job to just sit back and read as much as you want. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah, it was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. But that's about all we've got time for now. So we're all burnt out, but we're, we're going to recover. <laughs> uh, but we will be back with another episode. I think it's time for a DCOCD next, and I believe it's time for Young Justice, Sins of Youth. Um, and the next Waiting for Doom, we will be back and doing the last two uh, issues of Doom Patrol Volume 3 by John O'Coody and Tangan Hewitt. Long time coming, and uh, yeah, that's a nice way to finish up that run. Um, and our next question of the week, if you're wondering, is who's your favourite pet in comics? Who's your favourite pet in comics? So you can get in touch and let us know on Twitter at WFDPod. Uh, you can send us emails at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You explain all about the pet. Um, there's the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. Then there's mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com, which is Doug's fantastic Doom Patrol website. And that's it, I'd say, Mike. It is. Uh, don't forget, if you want to leave us an iTunes review, that would be muchly appreciated. And you get a cool-ass Waiting for Doom postcard. Yeah. It doesn't have a picture of an ass that's cool, but it is <laughs> cool. <laughs> they knew what I meant. And Thanks, yes, Dad. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Just like to clarify unnecessarily. Oh, dear. What's a videotape? Anyway... <laughs> Alrighty, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Paul. We'll catch you all again next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom. Hey, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me okay? I can, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. <laughs> Don't sound so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, fa- it's fine. Sweet Jesus, I can hear him. <laughs> um, I got that. I got... Oops. Um, I've got the scripty script. I've got that. I've got my snops. <laughs> yes. I've got a pizza shape. Oh, lucky. I'm <laughs> Podcasting gold. <laughs> <laughs> you want one? Thanks, mate. Yeah. Ah, here we go. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm good to go whenever you are. Okay. One, two, three. Hello, and waiting... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, I'm not good to go. I am bad to go. You are so bad to, bad to the bone. That's what they <laughs> call you. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Come on, we can do it. <laughs> Just one short wade through the shit and we're out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.